Good evening, and welcome to Meet the Artist Interviews. I'm your host, Charles Chip McNeil, Director of Education for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. And we welcome you, the audience, here in person and those who will one day listen online to this interview on Friday, January 31st, 2014. Here we are in the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco. And Meet the Artist interviews are just one of several programs produced by the Center for Dance Education. Our viewers might explore other programs such as Points of View Lectures, our Visiting Scholars program, Ballet 101, which gives behind the scenes insight into San Francisco Ballet, and many others. To learn more about our company and more about our programs, please visit us at sfballet.org. Well, tonight's guest joined the company in 2001. She was promoted to soloist in 2005, and she has been a principal dancer at San Francisco Ballet since 2009. Frances Chung was born in Vancouver, British Columbia, and trained at Go Ballet Academy before joining the company. Ms. Chung has danced major roles in Helgi Thomason's Giselle, Nutcracker, Sleeping Beauty, Don Quixote, Coppelia, Cinderella, and many others. Please welcome principal dancer Frances Chung. Hello, everybody. Okay, we're gonna start with a really big question because um, we, don't ha we have dancers from all over the world in the company and you hail from Vancouver. So I just wanna know a little bit of what it's like growing up in Vancouver uh, compared to your life here in San Francisco. Uh, well, that was 13 years ago, so I'll have to reach far back in my memory. But I had a pretty normal childhood. I uh, studied ballet, of course, and piano growing up. And um, Vancouver was a great city to grow up in. We were, you know, my sister and I walked to school at a young age and, and then to our studies and... Um, yeah, I had a, a relatively uh, normal <laughs> childhood. <laughs> okay, and so you studied at the Go Ballet Academy. Now, were there many ballet schools? Was that a really uh, a very prominent option, taking dance, or was that something unique for you in your community? Um, Go Ballet is a pretty well-known school in Vancouver. Um, it's produced beautiful dancers that now dance all over the world. Um, I was a part of a program with my high school where I would study academics half the day and then uh, a few of us dancers would take the bus to ballet and we would study that for the rest of our days um, just as our elective so we didn't do uh, physical education because we had enough of that and uh, woodwork or anything like that. So. Um, yeah, I, I went to, it was a regular public school, so we interacted with, um, how do you say, normal, <laughs> normal kids, um, and then we would uh, go to school. We would, my school would also do a lot of touring. We went and toured to China and Japan, and I did competitions throughout high school, so I'd disappear for a few weeks and then come back to school and catch up and... Yeah, that was life. So, so it sounds to me, given your sense of being in a very special high school, maybe for performing artists and such, uh, and the competitions, that you were pretty settled on being a performer at an early age. Uh, would you say that's true? I'd say it was 
also a gradual thing. It wasn't, I, there wasn't a particular performance I watched that really inspired me to be here where I am today. Um, but it was a, a gradual thing. It was something that I'd always worked hard at and I guess I was always just kind of in the zone. I never thought about really the future until I had to uh, my final year uh, in high school, but yeah, it was gradual. So how did you come to be in San Francisco and, and how did that opportunity outweigh other opportunities such as going to other companies um, or European companies? How did, you, how did you come to be at San Francisco Ballet? Um, well, I kept all of my options open. I think it's important to do when you're an aspiring dancer. I sent videos to every company you could possibly think of. Um, but I was lucky enough that Elise Bourne, who uh, used to be a ballet mistress here, that, and she still comes and sets ballets, uh, Balanchine pieces mostly, um, with San Francisco Ballet. She was working with my school and setting serenade on us, I think my final year in Vancouver. And, uh, sh and yeah, somehow through that connection, I came into class here and, and um, in San Francisco Ballet was definitely one of my top choices, so. So everybody has their reasons. Sometimes it's because of the beautiful landscape that is San Francisco. So it's, of course, we have an amazing company with a very eclectic repertoire. Was there something specific about the art history or the creativity here that drew you? Um, I actually didn't know too much about the repertoire. I knew they had beautiful dancers. Um, Yuan Yuan Tan actually, um, her teachers uh, taught in my school, so she would actually come visit us in Vancouver fairly often. And obviously, as a young aspiring dancer, I looked up to her greatly. And um, yeah, she was someone that uh, you know probably was an inspiration to to come here. You mentioned YY, and um, I have to remark that today is a special day. What day is it? It's Chinese, Chinese New Year. Year. <laughs> Chinese New Year. Happy Chinese so, New Year, everybody. Yeah. It is, it is. So do you celebrate uh, traditional holidays like that with your family, or, or does it, how meaningful is that to you? Um, it's very meaningful. I talk to my parents, and, you know, we wish each other Chinese, uh, okay. happy Chinese New Year, but I don't have uh, uh, family here really to celebrate, yeah. so... I'll collect my red envelopes when I get home. Okay, exactly. Well, um, you know, you've had a very elegant progression through the company starting in 2001 to soloist to principal. And now, I mean, you are at a place where you've had many, many uh, significant roles. And young female dancers work their whole careers to be able to play those roles. What roles do you look forward to? What roles are out there for you to aspire to? Um, there's always the classics. You can't ever forget the classics. And um, a role that I've yet to been able to perform would be Swan Lake. It's uh, probably one of the most challenging classical ballets technically and, and uh, emotionally. I think because you have to play two different, very kind of polar opposite characters. So. 
I look forward to that in my future, hopefully. Wonderful. Well, experiencing ballets like you named and like Giselle grounds us in classicism, and yet we have so many eclectic choreographers. Which choreographers inspire you? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, we've been able to work with so many choreographers. Just I've been able to work with so many different choreographers just having been in this one company, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, uh, just this year alone, I think, just to narrow it down a little, uh, we're working on a new ballet uh, by Liam Scarlett, which I'm very excited about. He's uh, kind of an up-and-coming or already very prominent choreographer. Mm -hmm. He's only 27, and he's the resident choreographer of Royal Ballet, and um, uh, I guess choreographers that I love working with are very musical, very in touch with um, just what the music speaks, and um, yeah, I think when I see beautiful choreography, I can see the music alive in the dancers, mm -hmm. and that's something uh, that really makes me very, very excited. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I, I'm taken by what you just said, because, like, what sparks that that fire that makes you love it, that makes you want it, that makes you commit to it? I mean, it's does it, do you wait for it to come? Is there, a, is there something that you do in your process that leads you to, to really inhabit the role? I think in between all of those moments uh, are grueling moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moments, you know, just when you're in physical pain and uh, when you're working through something. But um, just for example, we're already starting to rehearse the next two programs, one of them being La Bayadere, and um, we started working on it a month or two ago, and and just the few rehearsals, kind of few and far in between everything else we're, we're doing, um, I'm starting to feel like I'm growing in it, and that, uh, I guess ease is, is coming and I can really feel the character, like I feel like I'm embodying the character. And, and when we first started, I felt miserable, so. Yeah. Wow, well, if you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with principal dancer Frances Chung and uh, we're talking a little bit about uh, her approach to, 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 to work. And tonight is Giselle and you play a very key uh, role in uh, Giselle as Myrta. And Myrta's a very pivotal character, a very important character. Can you give them a little insight into, into your perception of her? I think Myrta is a really interesting role because um, so many questions surround her, like why is she so angry and um, what made her this way and, uh, um, and you know, what, why is she the queen of all these willies th that seem to be very bitter and angry at men? Um, and I think because there are so many questions surrounding her character, you get to really kind of develop um, your own interpretation of it. Um, uh, this year, I've played, I've danced the role um, the last time, I don't know, a few years ago when we did Giselle, and I... I think since then, it's kind of evolved for me, which is uh, something hopefully 
I continue to do as you know you kind of repeat pieces is that you I don't know always want to be challenged and and always growing in the role. So um, in in the beginning of uh, the second act, uh, you do a sequence of bores and they're just you're basically meant to look like you're floating on stage and. The first, yeah, a couple of entrances, I kind of think of it as, you know, like you're waking up, like that time between waking up and drinking coffee. So that moment, because it's the beginning of the night, and that's, you know, things are about to start for you. It's your morning. So that's what I'm thinking of in the beginning. And very soon after, you kind of are... um, you show your presence. You know you you are a queen, and and um, and and you have this more kind of regal, stoic uh, feeling. And really, it's a, just a lot of dancing, a lot of jumping, and um, somehow through all of that, you have to maintain this very cool and collected calmness, which is what makes this part actually very difficult, because several times during the, just performing this role, you just really want to stop and kind of catch your breath, but you really have to maintain your character. So, um, and, and then, yeah, you're just commanding. And then um, there's a moment, I think a pivotal moment in Mirta for me, uh, where the character kind of changes. Um, it's after you cast Hilarion into the lake, and you're still enjoying it. You're enjoying just, you know, being the queen and and, um, and kind of, yeah, just enjoying being angry and, and bitter. And then and there's a moment where... You you are um, you want uh, you're in the presence of Albrecht and Giselle, and you uh, we dance with these rosemaries, and um, it's kind of like a sign of our power, and it's a signif- the significance of it is or it signifies remembrance. But so you you try to use that on. Um, Albrecht and the power of their love is so strong that um, you lose your power. And so I think from then on the character kind of changes and you remember kind of why you, um, or you remember the love that may, perhaps you once had or, and, uh, and you're still angry about it and you're kind of in shock that you lose your power. Um, but. Anyway, everybody has their own interpretation of it, but that's what I try to remember while I'm catching my breath. I love. No, this is great. I, I you shared so much just now. I have, it just makes me want to ask like so many more questions. But I'm gonna let you guys ask a couple of questions. I have a couple more. But right now, what you what you touched on were so many different things. And the first thing that I want to ask is, so. I just want to understand a little bit more. Do you have a backstory? Do you, like, in an, like an actor or an actress, and they go, okay, this is what happened in the past, and this is why she's here, and this is why she's angry? Or do you let the emotional, um, the emotional sort of impetus drive your character and just create a rationale for each moment? Or, or is there a real, like, backstory, like you know where she comes from? Um, I think in the beginning I try to 
have a, a story as much as possible. When the second you step on stage, you don't think about the story. You you kind of embody the character right. already. Um, so yeah, I you know try to have everything prepared. And same goes for the technique of it all. You know, you're working on it and you think about certain things. The second you go on stage, you just dance. You do. Isn't that, but that's the beauty of it. All those blood, all the sweat, all the tears, the hard, the grueling moments, it all goes away and you have to just look effortless. I love that. You know what? This is, a, this is our education moment because you know I love to educate audiences. So what we're talking about, about the difficulty that makes these kinds of roles, and Giselle specifically so challenging, is that it, it hails from the Romantic era. Now, what do I mean when I say Romantic era? We're really talking about uh, early 1900s, from about 1827 to about the late 1870s. So, <clears throat> in fact, I think it might have began with um, uh, uh, La Selfide, and the Romantic era ends with Coppelia. And in the midst there, in about the 1840s, you have Giselle. And the Romantic era has three key parts. It's the role of the female in ballet. It is the Romantic tutu, a certain length that is very different than the others. And then there's the magic ethereal world of willies and fairies and characters. So tell me how, out of all of your training, you are able to embody the romanticism. <laughs> all of my training. What? <laughs> romanticism. I don't know. How do I answer all of that? I don't know. I feel like that in itself was a theater piece. <laughs> um... I mean, it, it go, I guess it goes back to the same thing. I, we grow, every ballet dancer grows up watching Giselle and uh, Les Sylphie and, and Coppelia, the ballets that you mention. And I feel like um, just growing up in the dance world prepares you for it. Going to shows and being in rehearsals and watching each other and... Um, yeah, I mean, preparing for the romanticism and preparing for the role of Mirza, <laughs> I say it's about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We have time for a couple of questions from the audience. <clears throat> questions for Francis. Yes. You could be a plant because you have done exactly what we need to do, which is continue to distinguish what, what uh, makes a romantic ballet. And she talked about the port de bras, uh, the shape of the arms, the, the certain posturing of the upper body. And that is a certain technique to do all the things you normally do with your legs and your feet and have this certain, certain distinguished posturing. How do you train for that? How do you practice for that? Who coaches you? Um. Well, we have Lola Diavola. She comes specifically uh, to prepare us for Giselle. And um, it's really just rehearsing the parts. And, and she coaches us on specific body postures. And, and uh, I think more importantly, it's where 
it's initiated from uh, the portobra, you know, like there's a reason why you're a little bit forward in your arms and it all comes from your back and, um, yeah. Good. So as we're talking about port bras, we're talking about the upper body and arms, use of the arms. Another question. Yes. Well, I think that's kind of a compound question, but both very, very good. Uh, sure. Uh, the first question was uh, the role of music and musicality. How, I mean, is that something that you have to pay attention to? And I think she talks also about, she asked also about the transcendence. And you sort of mentioned that, which is you do all the technical work, you do all the rehearsals, and then you have to kind of release it all when you go onto the stage. Mm -hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think um, any any sort of classical dance and, and dance in general is really the um, in a way yeah you should be able to see the music notes on the dancers whether it's in the portobra or in the height of the jump or um, in you know the petit allegro. Um, I think it's it's really pivotal to great dancing, um, and I don't think it's necessarily just particular to classical dance. But um, in terms of uh, what was the second part of the question, the transcendence, right? Transcendence. Absolutely. Do you you leave the music behind? You leave the rehearsal behind? Uh, yeah, I think you leave the rehearsal behind, and and uh, the mu the dancing just speaks the music, and and really it takes a, a lot of work, and um, and I feel like with years of dancing, but also with specific uh, rehearsals for a piece, you you really gain that. I mean, we get the privilege of working with uh, Macarva right now for La Bayadere, and. Um, she's, I mean, she broke her, her shoulder at one point, she was telling us, and, you know, she's got, um, she's got, I don't know, her body is still incredible. She can still do a porter bra, and you're taken by, she is Nakia, you know, and, she, she, I mean, she's not doing any of the technique. She's not doing, you know, any jumping, but... She is the role of Nakia, and it's amazing to be able to just witness that, and and to be able to translate that to myself is <laughs> it is taking a lot of time and and a lot of effort. But um, yeah, I think for m me personally, my body is different from hers. You know, we work differently, and our training is probably very different. But um, uh, yeah, to be able to translate that is, it just takes rehearsal. I actually just want to ask you a quick question related to the last one, and that is, do you think your, your piano uh, <clears throat> training, 
your early piano training has aided you in, in understanding music? Absolutely. I mean, I only got up to third grade in piano and I quit three times, but I think any sort of musical training and any sort of, you know, dance, I did lyrical jazz and, you know, all sort. I think it really plays into, you know, who you become as a dancer. Yes. All right. I see a hand up over there. Mm. What a good question. That is just, that is one of the questions of the ages. Does the music drive the dance or does the dancer really set the pace for the music? What is the relationship? And does it change throughout the performance? After the initial start, after the music starts, does it change? <laughs> Um, during our rehearsal process, a lot of the times the conductors will come and, uh, and watch and conduct the pianist, actually, while we're in rehearsal. Mm. Um, I think it's both a lot of times. I think the orchestra really uh, lends themselves to the dancers and the choreography. I think a lot of times also um, uh, choreographers choreograph specifically to uh, just uh, the tempo or um, the way the music is uh, um, the music is played. Um, and then with classical ballets, you know, composers and choreographers work like on a score and, chore and dance choreography together. So I think um, a lot of times it, it should kind of collide and, and <laughs> really make this beautiful thing. But what tends to happen is that we want one thing and the conductor <laughs> wants another thing <laughs> and we compromise. Wow. But, well, I think what you're talking about, though, is one of the things that sets the conductor of a ballet orchestra apart from another, uh, other conductors in that you, you might have your sense of what is perfectly perfect musically, but you must figure out how that marries to what the dancer is able to do and what they, they need. It's a conversation. Absolutely. It's a conversation. Um, we are, our time is running out. I want to, another quick question? Yeah. Mm. Okay, that's a, that's a very legitimate question. She's been watching you and admiring you over a period of time, and she's asking, does, does, has your body changed? Have you changed? And, and, and what has that been like in your perspective? I think that's a very valid question. I joined the company when I was 17, so obviously I was going through puberty. <laughs> Bodies change, Women, female bodies change during that time, and um, I think your body also changes with the work that you're given. Yeah. Um, yeah. I work a lot more now, and different types of work. Um, I used to have to do a lot more uh, kind of just like uh, workout, like cardio workout outside of dance. I don't do that so much anymore. Um, I do... Like outside of dance, I do more. Um, just, uh, I how do you say? Um, 
not really strengthening, but uh, just kind of keeping my body in tune, like gyrotonics and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, my body's definitely changed. Yes. But I think that's a, a good point, that dancers come to the company sometimes very young, and it's a very natural thing to see them evolve to grow up and, and change. You know, our, our time together is coming to an end here, and I just want to be let the, remind the audience to look for you in La Bayadere and Borderlands and the new Liam Scarlet piece. But we're going to end with one big piece of news. Because she has celebrated a very important occasion. And I think she's willing to share it with us. Uh, yeah, I just got married. It was the day after Nutcracker, and it's been a month. It's been fabulous. One Love month. She's a bride. <laughs> She's a bride. So this lovely young lady has chose to be with us and to share her knowledge and experience with you rather than be home with her new husband. So we are very grateful for that. We are appreciative of your taking time on your day off. And we are so excited to see you later this season. Thank you all for being Thank here. Thank you very much. Enjoy the show.